Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. What's up? Good morning. Hey. Happy birthday, Sophia Bradley. Sophia Bradley. One year old. One. Happy one year old birthday. Happy birthday, Sophia. I, I, I think she listens every day. That's my suspicion. I think so. Yeah. Because whenever I talk, she grimaces like, oh, yeah, stop. Think? Yeah. So yeah. I'm probably well, tired of hearing me. It's too much. We're excited to have Sophia as part of our church family. That's right. Happy one year. Are we going to baptize her? And her parents. No, we covered yeah. that last episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's no, right. we don't do that. Okay. We don't do Just that. Just checking. Just yeah. checking to see if you're still on the same page. We're still there. We're still there. All right. Yeah. Yeah. If you're lost and you don't know what we're talking about, go back and, and listen to the end of the last podcast. You may have tuned, turned us off before we got to that. And so uh, you can go back and check in there. <laughs> it's true. But um, no, we uh, we don't do that here. We are, are what's called credo Baptists, meaning or believer Baptists or believer Baptists. But if there's credo Baptists and pedo Baptists, it kind of flows that way, right? Yeah. yeah it, does, it does sound cooler. To yeah. Pedo Baptism being or pedo baptism, uh, baptizing children, right? Um, where we get pediatrics from, same concept there, baptizing infants. That's not a practice of ours. Pediatricians um, baptize their babies too? I, I, if they get sprinkled in the office. Mm, interesting. Maybe it's just as effective <laughs> as if, never mind. Oh. Well, shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired. Hey, and that's coming from somebody that was sprinkled. I was sprinkled. <laughs> you were sprinkled. That explains so much. Yeah. I was also immersed oh, okay. as a believer. When? Uh, actually back mm. in seminary. Mm. Um, did Dr. MacArthur do that? No, he didn't. No, no. Dr. Kenningham did that. Oh, Kenningham. Kenningham. Yeah. Kenningham. Yeah. He was yeah. my pastor back then. Yep. So good. That's baptism. When were you baptized? 2000. Hold on. Uh, what year was it? Maybe 2000 like times. You've been baptized 2000, 2000 times? times because of the first 1999 didn't stick. <laughs> this last one though. <laughs> this last one. <laughs> it was it. it. It was it. That's what you needed. Yeah, I forget when. It was early 2000s. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. That's good. Well, at least we, at least we both have been baptized. That's true. That's a good post baby. <laughs> that's a good that's a good thing. Hey, uh, another good thing is for us to study God's word together and we are in Proverbs chapter 11 and 12. 11 and 12. What is 11 in Spanish? On 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 say? Why do you look at me like I speak Spanish? Dude, <laughs> that's so racist. <laughs> just because I'm a Mexican? Just because my last name is Listen, Gomez? Fine. Ask me how to say it in German, and wow. I don't know either. Okay. There that's that's what I'm saying. I don't. Yeah. I drove by a tire shop the other day, and it was Gomez Tire Shop. It's over in Little Elm. I was thinking, oh. I wonder if Pastor Rod could get a discount on tires I going there. I would certainly try. It's, Come on, bro. Go family like, discount. <laughs> family. Hermano. Mi familia. <laughs> that's amazing well we're in uh, proverbs 11 and 12 and and we'll stick to english just for the benefit of our listening audience yeah for their sake yeah for their flex on them otherwise otherwise yeah like we said last time we're in this section where these are our true proverbs they're not necessarily connected to one to another but they are statements that are just kind of rapid fire and uh and they are helpful for us so we're going to pick some out and hopefully you'll be encouraged by them as we uh as we go through here yeah don't pick the ones that i picked okay I won't. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Um, how about verse four? Oh. Were you going to do verse four? I guess not anymore. Okay, well, you were going to do that no matter what I, I chose, weren't you? 
Yeah, you had it loaded. The groan was there. Verse four, riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. It's such an encouraging uh, concept for us, especially if you don't have a lot of riches. It's like, okay, <laughs> all right. I'm winning. Good. No, uh, he's, this, is, this is Solomon writing this, and he's the one that writes Ecclesiastes, and I think we see some of that come through here. He's, he's, he's the one saying, look, I, I literally had more money than anyone else in all of creation, and it didn't do anything for me. It, mm-hmm. it doesn't help. And in the end, death comes. And that's something he'll talk about a lot in Ecclesiastes is death is the great leveler. Death means it doesn't matter how much money you had when you were on, on, in this, uh, on this earth, in this life. There it is. In and on this earth. In and on. Yeah. This life. Y- you can't take it with you. But what should you be storing up? Is that, and that's righteousness. Righteousness delivers from death. Ultimately, as believers, we understand that it's Christ's righteousness that delivers us from death. Uh, but that's a, 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 the pursuit of ours day in and day out should be we want to pursue a righteous l- life and not the riches of the earth because there will be riches that we store up for ourselves in heaven, eternal reward, that come through righteousness rather than the pursuit of wealth here and now. Well, really cool in these few verses, there actually is a, a repeated theme, and it's that righteousness delivers. So I'll just go at verse 6. Since you got verse 4, I'll just take verse 6. Or the righteous righteousness of the upright delivers them, mm. but the treacherous are taken captive by their lust. So interesting here, the uh, correspondence is uh, this is not like that. Remember, the parallelism is how Hebrew does poetry. We do poetry typically by rhyme and rhythm. The cat and the hat. The hat ate the rat or whatever else. But Fat. Hebrew, yes, thank you. The Hebrew does it by parallelism. Take line A and here's line B and or and sometimes even a line C. And they relate to each other in different ways. They complement one another. They contrast one another. So here in verse six, you have contrast. The righteous are like this, but the treacherous, the wicked are like that. The righteous, righteousness of the upright, they're delivered. They are, they are not subject to the same kind of danger and hazards that the wicked, or in this case, the treacherous are subjected to. In this case, it's lust. The treacherous are taken captive by the thing that they seek to be captivated by. They, they seek to desire something with their lust, but Ironically, they are held captive by lust itself. Mm. So the righteousness, don't have, the righteous don't have to worry about that. They're not held captive except by Christ himself. Yeah. Yeah. How about verse 10? Continuing on the theme of the righteous, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And then this second part is pretty sobering. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. I mean, I mean, come on. Yeah. Come on. Preach yeah. It, I mean, it, it, what's, what are, what's the reputation we're leaving behind? Are, are we living a life that people will mourn when we pass on, when we go, or are we living a life that people are going to be excited when we're gone? They breathe a breath of fresh air, like ah, right. a sigh of relief. Right. That, that's, that's important for us to think about the legacy that we leave behind. And uh, the, again, interesting that Solomon's writing this too, is as one whose yeah. legacy was a mixed bag to say the least. <laughs> could say that again. Yeah. Uh, verse 17, a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. I'd call this sanctified and godly self-interest. Mm. Um, Living a godly life is not, it's not counterproductive. It's the most productive way you can live. And living a godly life is one that benefits you probably more than anybody else. Now, granted, when you're living the life that God calls you to, you benefit so many others in great ways. Yep. But make no mistake, you do benefit. A cruel man only hurts himself. Yep. Let me back up to verse 14, where there is no guidance of people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there's safety. A lot of times when people will come to me and say, hey, Pastor PG, I'm, I'm trying to make a decision. Can you help me make this decision? And the first question I'll ask him is, who else have you talked to about this? Uh, because of a verse like this in the con- this concept, there's wisdom in an abundance or there's safety in an abundance of counselors. Uh, th- now, that doesn't mean go to the you know psychic down the street and ask them what they think and you know go to your Drats. secular boss who doesn't who's an atheist and ask him what he thinks and, and weigh all of them the same. 
what we're talking about here is when you're seeking counsel from godly individuals, there's wisdom and there's safety there. And you can weigh what they have to say. And a lot of times I've found, at least in my life, there'll, there'll be a clear direction emerging in the counsel that I, I get from people when I seek counsel from a, a, a number of people. And that, that will help me make a decision. It's not often what I want to hear all the time what I want to hear, but it helps me hear God's voice in the midst of the chaos. What if the counselors offer competing advice? I've had this happen before. In fact, in fact, people have come to me and said, I've, I've talked to five people. Like yeah. after you ask your question, I've talked to, I talked to this pastor, this pastor, this pastor, this pastor, and so-and-so said this, so-and-so said that, so-and-so said that. And then what happens if you're pitted against someone else who's a godly person and say, well, you're saying the exact opposite of what so-and-so said. <sighs> well, <laughs> Okay, so I know Proverbs don't do, Proverbs aren't about nuance. Proverbs aren't about saying, except for this situation and except for that situation. It would would no longer be a proverb if that was the case. But how would you direct someone who's saying, well, you're saying something different than someone else I just talked to? Yeah, I I think there's a couple thoughts here. Number one, like we've talked about before, if the decision that you're trying to make is not a sinful decision one way or the other, I think you have freedom to, in a situation like that, weigh the counsel that you've gotten on both sides of the equation and make your decision and move on with that decision. Um, But I think that the second thing too is maybe ask yourself, okay, who is your pastor in this situation? Who is it that God has placed in your life and given you as a specific authority in your Mm -hmm. life and you're submitting yourself to their leadership and their direction? There's a reason why I, I imagine that you're doing that. So you may have called up your pastor back from, you know, college or high school or your pastor that you had when you were living in California 10 years ago or wherever, but who's your pastor right now? Right. And I would really put maybe a little bit more weight there than I would in, in those other voices. So long as, again, this is not a counsel towards sin one way or the other. That's really helpful. Except someone else I talked to said the exact opposite of what you just said. So, but I'm going <laughs> to <wrong>. weigh in. <laughs> uh, I got one. La- well, no. Okay. I could go to chapter 12 if you want. No, go for it. One last one in chapter 11. On. Okay. Uh, 1125. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. I've used this one with students and saying, look, if you want friends, hey, be friendly. Yeah. Um, there is a kind of sanctified self-interest here where it's like, if you, if you want to see God's active hand of blessing upon your life, be a blessing. Yeah. Go do good things. And typically, typically at like 24, verse 24 says one gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Someone who's really friendly tends to have a lot of friends, even yeah. though it doesn't seem like they're really trying that hard. They are, they're, they're sowing seeds of friendliness. Um, Christian be a, be a blessing. Yeah. Be, be a, be a, be a, be a blessing and find that God will bless you richly in return. Yeah. One more in chapter 11, then first chapter 12, verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life and whoever captures souls is wise. It's called kidnapping, bro. <laughs> no, soul, soul napping. Oh, soul. Yeah, no, but such a, a cool picture there. And, and that's kind of our job as, as believers is to go out with the, the gospel and we get to be used by God to see him, him capture souls. And right. use our uh, our service in that. So if you're putting them in your trunk, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yes, it's a different kind of capturing and illegally. Um, all right. So chapter twelve, verse four. Uh, this is written about my wife. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. That's the part that's about my wife. That's not why she's sitting part. on your head this whole time. This has been awkward. I've been wanting this to is... point it out, but hey, Amanda, glad you're here, sitting on his head. Such a weird thing. <laughs> but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Yeah, we would both say that. I think about our wives, and hopefully, you listening to this men the, would say again, that about the first your wife. part. The first part. The first part. Not you the said that part. after you read the second part. Yeah, not the second part. Okay. Not rottenness in the bones. The the crown of her husband. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finding a wife is a good thing. In fact, Solomon will talk about that later as well. 
That's a great thing. I love verse 10. Can I do verse 10 here? Yes. Whoever is righteous has regard for the life of his beast, but the mercy of the wicked is cruel. I love this verse. I'm not an animal lover per se, but I do. (laughs) You hate them. You often hate this. But I do. I I do. Look look at this. I mean, this is, you don't have to join PETA tomorrow, but this is saying like, Godly people understand and respect the life that God has given, not only to us as image bearers, but even to all the animals around us. It's good and righteous to have regard. Um, in fact, the word for regard is yada, which is a, a word that typically means intimate knowledge of. Mm. So the intimate knowledge the righteous has for his beast, his animal, and typically that beast that was a beast of burden. It wasn't just talking about his dog. He didn't have dogs back then in the right. same way we do, but they have beast of burden that would help with their, with their plowing and their sowing and all the other things. Have regard for the life of your beast. Care about the animals the way that God does. Um, I mean, we could make so many different applications from this, but that's the one I really appreciated. So if I've got a, a spider in my office, is it wrong for me to step on it and kill it? It's not a beast. It's different. Okay. That's an insect. I think that's a, that's a different word. I think we have people listening that would disagree. I don't. I kill them. I'm, I'm done with them. I'm like, nope. That's taken dominion. I think yeah. that's different. And, and the, there is dominion. a word for insect. And I, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but this is a different word. This this is a, a word that typically refers to cattle. It's probably something very guttural. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. This is the sound an insect makes when you step on it, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's insect in Hebrew. Especially the, the insects here. Yeah. So big, man. Dude, they are. You need two feet to step They're on large. Them. They're large. Hey, verse 16 is one I talked about with my kids this morning, actually. The vexation of a fool is known at once, but the prudent ignores an insult. Vexation is a a word that means annoyance or frustration or worry. Uh, The vexation of a fool is known immediately. In other words, something happens to you and you immediately respond. You react. You show that vexation right away. But a wise man, the prudent one, ignores an insult covers the offense mm-hmm. if you will right we talked about that last time so i wrote just next to this in my bible don't let your fool show right don't let your fool show don't let your fool show so it assumes that the fool is still there yeah well it can be from time to time verse uh, 18 there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts Oof. but the tongue of the wise con- contrastedly brings healing uh, what kind of words are you speaking today? What kind of words are you using? Again, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. False. Yep. They do hurt. They do weigh someone down. In fact, let me just pair that with verse 25. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good mm. word, the right word at the right time makes him glad. Use yep. your words wisely. Yep. How about verse 28? As we wrap up in the path of righteousness, there is life and it's pa- in its pathway. There is no death. Mm. That's an encouraging thought that leads us to first Corinthians chapter 15, Ooh. where we're going to talk about why there's no death in the pathway of the righteous. We'll start at that strange break in the chapter. Yeah. Verse 33, uh, bad company corrupts good morals. Don't be deceived by that though. I yeah. think that's important. That means we can't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Don't, don't hang out with bad people and then be all like, why am I bad all of a sudden? Right. Well, because you're hanging out with bad people bad company bad company corrupts good morals yeah the resurrection body let's talk about that this is a, a theme i think that uh, a lot of people have questions about and this is what was true of the church in corinth too and, and so paul begins to answer them and he's comparing the spiritual body and the natural body and he gets in there in verse 40 he says look there's heavenly bodies and earthly bodies but the glory of the heavenly is of one kind the glory of the earthly is of another He's comparing the sun and the moon and the stars. And, and then he says star for, differs from star and glory. So there's a sense in which uh, if we understand this, right, I think Paul's saying even in our glorified bodies, there's going to be different measures of glory in each person's body that mm-hmm. could be evidence of the eternal reward that we oh, certainly. Uh, so, so often talk about here. Yeah. And so some are going to shine brighter than the others. Um, 
how do we get these glorified bodies? Well, it has to come from death. And he explains that with a, an earthly analogy. He says, look, what is sown perishable is raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. Sown in a natural body, raised a spiritual body. Now, when we're talking about a spiritual body, we're not talking about a, a body that doesn't have physical substance right. because we're going to be like Christ in his resurrected body. And Christ's and resurrected body was... He ate some fish. Yeah. Fish tacos. Yeah. And Thomas came up and felt his, his body even, right? So... It's a spiritual body in the sense of it's it's the body that is not natural in the sense of being weighed down by the flesh, weighed down by the the, the brokenness of the flesh. It's spirit empowered. Yes, yeah, spirit fully. empowered in that sense. If we think of Galatians 5 or Romans 8, the concept of walking by the spirit, well, in our glorified bodies, we're going to do that perfectly because they will be spiritual bodies. Bring it on, man. Can we do that now? I'd love to. Let's but, do it. But in, to that point, when's this going to happen? When's this going to happen? When is this going to happen? I want this now. Well, Paul talks about the trumpet. He says in verse 52, in, the, in, the, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. Wow. And so this is, uh, this is preceding the, for believers, the millennial kingdom, and we will receive the, the glorified body. The perishable, perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon preached by a pastor, maybe even at a funeral, where he said, death, where's your sting? And it's like he's trying to, to flex on death in the, the, the midst of the funeral. I, I don't know that that's helpful because we still feel the sting of death until this day. This is when, he says it right there, this is when the saying will come to pass that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where's your sting? Talking with somebody recently who lost somebody that, that was a loved one, a family member, and they feel the sting of death. And I don't think it's right for us as Christians to say, well, you need to get over that because the sting of death is gone. No, it's not. Not right now, it's not. We still feel it very much. We go to the grave and we see the, the headstone there that reminds us, man, that this person's not here anymore. And we feel their loss. We feel their absence. The day is coming, though, when we will all receive our glorified bodies, which will never die. That's the time that we'll be able to say, death, where's your sting? And, and where's your victory? It's gone because Christ has, has triumphed. Right. And I think the idea here for all of us is that to, we, we, sure, we, we want this verse to still play a role in your life when you encounter death, which will inevitably happen. But we recognize here that this is really us holding on to a promise and saying at some point, I'm right. going to say this. Right. This is my hope. This is my joy. This is my anchor, even though going through the death of this, this loved one is so unsettling mm-hmm. and, and moving. Um, Christ is still my anchor. Death, I'm going to say some point, where's your victory? Where's yeah. your sting? Yeah. So what does that do for us? Well, it leads us to verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. That's right. Why? Because he's risen from the dead. And he's going to raise you from the dead as well. Yep. Yep. And on that note too, this is something that it took me a a while in, in my faith to understand. Believers are not the only ones given resurrected bodies. That's right. The unbeliever receives a resurrected body as well. Yep. And his resurrected body is prepared for eternal damnation. Our resurrected body is prepared for eternal glory with, with God. So, uh, yeah, I, that, that's why this is so important for us to get right. This is something that is going to impact us no matter what. Everybody will be given a resurrected body. The question is, for what purpose? Right. Only the Christian is glorified, though. And that's, that's what we talked about this, I think, yesterday. Yeah. Um, everyone is going to have a renewed body, but only the Christian is glorified. Right. And by that, what we mean is that only the Christian is the one who's going to be perfectly sanctified. They will be fully saved. They will no longer have any remnant of sin or sorrow in their bones because their body will be have, will have been remade into the glorified state, which possesses no sin and neither can it sin. Yeah. 
Yep. First Corinthians 15. That's right. We're done with that. Yep. We Exhausted got. everything we possibly could say about that. Everything. And no one could say more. That's right. That's not true. First Corinthians 16 tomorrow. And then we are on to another book after that. So that's exciting. Which comes after First Corinthians? Um, I think two Corinthians. Two, two Corinthians? Two Corinthians. Come from the UK? Sure. Okay. Either way, join us tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Bye, y'all. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.